Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. As we prayed and as we kind of sought the Lord this week, I kind of felt like knowing that we had the ordination, I, I didn't want to start the next step into the Sermon on the Mount. That's where I'm going to be going next week. We're going to continue in Matthew chapter 5. But as we were kind of brainstorming, talking about it, I said, I kind of want us all to preach. I want us all to have a, uh, let the congregation see our, our ministering team. And I uh, just started thinking, you know, I've really focused the last eight weeks on the first part of each beatitude, what the beatitude is. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed those that mourn, blessed are the merciful. And we didn't focus much on why. We didn't focus much on blessed are the, we, we focused on the first part, for they or for what the answer is. So today is kind of what's the point? I want part of my biggest uh, desire today is to equip you to start walking. It's not enough to go in and learn. It's like taking the instruction manual but never applying it. Now I will tell you, this week we had a problem with our dishwasher. Have y'all ever had stuff on your dishwasher that you just don't know what it was for? And you just kind of flip them around and I'm like, well, that looks kind of neat, but I, what does it do? We've had this thing for two years and we don't know what it does. Well, okay, I'm going to go get the instruction manual. Now, I could read what it did and then just leave it and never use it. Or I could read what it did, and I did. I went and said, ooh, honey, look what this does. Pop, snap, look. Wow. We didn't even know it does that. Now, the same thing here on a much deeper level. We can take the word of God and say, that's a good point. I like that. I'll even go around and carry that with me. I might even repeat it. But it's not enough. We've got to walk. You know, if you want to have a good marriage, you don't just go to a marriage seminar and then just continue your marriage the same way. You don't go to five love languages. You don't go to five love languages and expect a change in your life unless you change. An application has to be made, and that's what my desire is today: is to encourage you. Why do the beatitudes? I'm going even beyond to say, well, because Jesus taught it, because his word is faithful, because he will fulfill his promise in you. Yes, yes, yes. But let's back it up just a little bit and say why. Blessed, number one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not, uh, Caleb. <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs, we'll just stay there. That looks kind of cool. I got ahead of myself. What's the point? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Can we just say it together? One, two, three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. I feel power. I feel power. When we not only recognize our great need, don't forget what poor in spirit means, our great need of God, how low we really are and how much we really need God, when we recognize that, not only recognize it, but we truly start to walk it out. Walk it out in our life. How? Depending completely upon God. Do you know what happens? You begin to walk your life here on earth as it is in heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those when they recognize your great need. Not only recognize it, but walk in your great need. Then you begin to walk on earth as it is in heaven. Literally, the kingdom of God begins to crash in on earth on you. Do you hear me? My focus is not poor in spirit. My focus is the, is the result. When we walk out poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven begins to crash into your life. 
Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. I'm just going to stay. Go back. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What does that mean? If you start to walk out God's word, then the kingdom of heaven begins to crash into your life, and every need you could ever have is met. Can you see it? Say yes if you can see it. Okay. Maybe that'll help me. I sit here and people always are encouraging me. Pastor, we're getting it. We're listening. We're, we're just drinking it in. Maybe I just need to ask for a response and then you'll give one. But then I start thinking, well, are they just saying it because I asked them to or are they really getting it? Okay. I got issues. I got issues. I believe that when we live our life leaning on God's teaching and leading, that we are truly seeking His kingdom and we begin to live a life, a kingdom life, as it is in heaven on earth. I believe that when we begin to seek God, learn His word, do. Everybody say do. Do. Can we back up? Be attitudes. We got to be we got to be. we got to do. When we do His Word, that w- that's when the Lord's prayer will begin to be- become fulfilled in our lives. That His kingdom will come and His will will be done on earth in your life now as it is in heaven. When we establish God in our lives, He comes in full. The reward of being poor in spirit is that his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven in your life. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn. Let's say it together. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those who mourn, those who still care about their sin, those who are moved by their sin, those who are moved, repent, turn. Not hard-hearted, but allow conviction to motivate them to turn. Recognizing we are disobedient to God and His Word, and we change. Blessed are those. They will be comforted. Comfort to give strength and hope to. To ease grief. To ease the grief of trouble. Or to console. This is rhetorical. Don't raise your hands. Who needs to be comforted? Who needs to be godly comforted? Who has tried to get comfort from everything but realized the only real comfort is from God? You want to get comforted from God? Blessed are those who mourn. When you totally come into reality of your sin and you give it to God. You know what happens when you finally tell the truth to something you've been lying about? You know what happens? Freedom comes. Now, there may be some things you've got to walk through because you've been telling a lie, but you know what? That lie no longer has power over you. And healing can literally start right then. And I'm talking literally, chains fall off of you. When you've been battling a lie and you finally tell truth, I believe it is the exact same thing when you have allowed sin to control your life and you finally make a decision 
to mourn that sin, to put that sin in the grave and to give it to Christ once and for all, to turn around and walk the right way, you know what's going to be right in your next step? Comfort. That's right. And I'm not talking about man's comfort. I'm talking about God's comfort. Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? He's the comforter. The moment we leave our sin, the Holy Spirit comes. And He brings comfort. It is the main topic of Jesus and John. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Amen? Amen. Pastor Justin. (laughs) Thank you. In Matthew 5, 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, something that uh, Pastor Paul uh, referenced uh, when we went through this the first time, and I want to I touch base on it, that meekness does not equal weakness. And so if we separate meekness and weakness, well, what is meekness? Now imagine that the gift of God that's on you, the personality that he has put in you, he has put in you to empower you to make you a strong individual, to make you a powerful person. Well, what do we do with an entire family full of very powerful, strong people? Um, I've always uh, viewed the gifting of God in us as like a stallion. You know, my dad uh, worked with horses my entire life. So I've grown up with very powerful horses. The, The key with meekness is that you have a stallion that is able to run free in the appropriate pasture land. Do you want the stallion to be chained to the door, tied up in a cross tie its entire life? Of course not. What would be the purpose of having a stallion? If you are never allowed to exercise the gifting that God has put in you, if you're never allowed to be strong in an area that God has made you strong in, what's the point of having the strength? What's the, what's the point of having power if you're never able to exercise it. So you have this stallion that's longing to be free every, uh, every waking moment in your heart. I don't want that gifting. I don't want that personality. I don't want that power to be trampling over the neighbor's flowers. Amen. And we all have known people that when meekness starts decreasing, it seems that it's like, Hey, you're walking on my flowers. Your strength is hurting my feelings. Your power is damaging me and it hurts my feelings, you know? We all know people like that. So how do we, how do we keep from that? Well, there's a de- desire in all of us in James 4. says, where do you think all these appalling uh, wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come, uh, they come about because you want your own way. Fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and you're willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and you risk violence to get your hands on it. There is something inside of us that we want to increase our fences that rein our strength in and we just want to move our boundary stone and say, well, my fence covers this part of that person's life. Well, don't they want my opinion in this area of their life? I mean, and and in my head, obviously, they want my input in this area of their lives. Well, so what we do is we try to increase our boundaries, increase what we're in charge of so that we allow our gifts, our power, our strength to run across the entire neighborhood because it's mine. But when we go back to Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, blessed are those people that have the ability to rein in that strength, 
not tie it down, not shoot the horse, rein in that strength. Why? For they will inherit the earth. If there is a desire in me that I want more and more of your property, God says, hey, if you will rein in that strength, if you will rein in that desire to control your neighbor's property, what do I get at the end of the day? I get to inherit the entire earth. And this principle applies to so many other areas of God's word that if I will do the thing the right way, the way that God desires me to do it, I get what the, what the desire is in my heart. If I can trust him and say, Father, not my will, yours be done. So we, we go to the Father, we go to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, bring meekness into my life. Teach me how to bring my strength into control so I don't harm my neighbors. So I'm not trampling over something that they, that they feel is beautiful. Amen? Well, in Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be feel, filled, not field, filled. Um, and we could sit here, we could talk for the rest of the year about hunger and thirsting for righteousness, but we won't because um, we all have uh, lunch to get to. Well, what is hunger and thirst? What's Jesus trying to say when he says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst, blessed are those that have a desire. Does that make sense? That hunger is just a desire. And what's righteousness? Um, Pastor Paul defined righteousness as the freedom of guilt and shame of sin. And uh, sorry for the horse references, but when I was a kid, I was terrified of horse flies because I thought that if they bit me, like my arm would fall off or something like that. So I was terrified of them. And if they got around, I'd I acted like a, an idiot about it, spooked the horses that were around. Um, but noticing how horses react with horse flies, they don't have arms, they can't swat, you know, they, can, they have a tail that can swish a little bit, but they can't kill the horse fly. But what does a horse do? It'll sit there and when that horse fly lands and starts biting, it doesn't sit there and go, okay, I'll make room for that horse fly because it has a need to live too, you know, and I'll supply its food for it. No, the horse shakes it off violently. And if the, the fly lands again, the horse shakes again. Blessed are they that have a desire and a thirst to be free from the weight that guilt and sin places on our shoulders. Amen. If, if you have a desire, if there is some area inside of you that has a desire to shake off the junk that gets on you, blessed are you. Blessed are you because there is a tendency and there is a, um, there's another area in our heart that wants to put up with stuff. And every time you do something wrong, you know it because your conscience will have a little flare up. Um, it's like the check engine light. It won't stop your car, but it'll let you know there's something that's wrong. Blessed are you when you respond to that quickly, that you don't let that horse fly just sit on you and bite and bite and bite. Shake that stuff off. Shake that stuff off. And what's the reward of shaking that guilt, shaking that, that shame off of you, shaking the sin out of your life? The reward is that you'll be filled. It's just like uh, we just got done reading. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Not only do I get freedom from guilt and shame of sin, I get filled. Every area in my life, life that's lacking is filled. Um, Psalm 107, nine says, for he, God, satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Not fills the hungry with bad things, 
fills the hungry with good things. The prerequisite to filling is that you have to have a hunger, a desire for it. So that there is an area of our lives when we line up with, with the kingdom of God, when our conscience rises up and says, hey, there's something wrong. Your check engine light just came on. Desire to shake that stuff out of your life. And if you'll respond to that quickly, the result of, of the end of your life is that you'll be known for a person that is filled, not just with one little thing, filled with the fullness of God in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Mr. Caleb. Thank you. All right. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Another translation says uh, they will obtain mercy. I want to jump in right into Scripture here. Um, a crowd brought before Jesus a woman. And it said that this woman, not only somebody heard of that she was doing something sinful, they said she was caught in the act of adultery, which means immediate penalty of death. The law that Jesus himself and God spoke at the beginning when, when uh, they were give, gave Moses the law right away tells us that that woman deserves uh, death immediately. The law gave everyone there the right to kill, but Jesus gave the option at that moment of mercy. He said, let's Let's wait. And he didn't force anybody to. He said, I'm going to give you the option of mercy right here. Now, I want you to ask this question. Why in the world would Jesus, the one who spoke the law into existence, in that moment offer mercy instead of the judgment that he himself put forth? To see this, we have to go back to the garden. And I want to see how we obtain mercy, we have to go back to the garden. Because in the garden, Adam and Eve walked with God, and there was complete mercy. Before they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, they had no understanding of what good and evil was. They had no ability to look at another person and say, I'm going to hold good and evil above your head and judge you for it. I'm, I'm, I can't hold good and evil above my head for it because they did not know. The first sin happened, disobedience to God, but the second sin, what was that? Well, they called their nakedness something that God said was good, they called it evil. They held judgment above their heads, and they said, I no longer call myself whatever God calls me. I call myself evil. They looked at something God said was good and said, no, that's evil. The woman deserved death, but she was given life. The woman deserved condemnation, but she received mercy instead. We know that God's desire, because he said it in Matthew 7, verse 1, judge not lest you be judged, is shown in this scripture. He desires us to be merciful. But what we get from that is incredible. Because in this situation with Jesus, we see the deeper desire of God's heart, not that we be the judges, but that he be the judge and we be the receivers and givers of mercy. In this situation, he said, I'm the one who has walked perfect. I have the right to judge. Now I want you to choose mercy right now. 
God through the law gave us the right to judge. But Jesus showed us that his real desire is that he be the judge and we be the receivers and givers of mercy. When we understand, and this is what I love, when we understand our place in this cycle of mercy that we just, we give and receive and we give and receive and we give and receive. This verse says, if I learn how to do that, I obtain mercy, which is what Adam and Jesus walked in. In the garden, before there was any judgment, they walked out their lives in mercy. That is an incredible thing because no longer do I hold judgment over anybody's head here. No longer do I hold judgment over my head. I walk out mercy and I'm able to walk with God. So the reward here, while it says you're going to obtain mercy, well, mercy is what Jesus and Adam walked in completely. So you have the opportunity in learning mercy to walk with God again. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to quickly bring up what purity is defined as um, through what Pastor Paul earlier uh, talked about. It, is, it means unmixed with any other matter, like pure gold, free of dust or dirt or taint. It's spotless and stainless. Again, I'm not going to go into the pure in heart. I want to talk about for they will see God. The reward for this purity is the desire of the hearts of, I'm pretty sure everyone in here, I know it is a desire of my heart, the opportunity to see God in signs and wonders, in experiences that we have with him, and in the love that we share with one another because God is love. Therefore, us working together in love and unity, we begin to see God. And I love that about, is that it's not just I see something supernatural. Sometimes love is supernatural. And I want you to understand that's very important to this. I want you to imagine, uh, just for a minute, a man. You hear about this man, and this man is incredible. The things he does are supernatural. The impact he has on people's lives is extraordinary. But you've only ever heard about him. So you go home, and you look him up on the internet, and you find out his likes, his dislikes, his dreams, his goals. You search and search. You find the desire that he, that he has for a loving relationship with everyone on earth. After that, you think, oh, I want to I find this person. So you search and you search for a way to talk to him until you finally find that it's just as simple as a phone call. And that he's always available. So, you call him. You chat for a while. And finally, after a long and incredibly life-changing conversation, you hang up. What is your next desire? After you've encountered this man on the phone, after you've communicated with him, what is your next desire? To see him. To have a conversation with him face to face. To experience his supernatural power firsthand. And to watch him change the lives of everyone around you and yourself. This is the greatest reward that I can imagine. The ability 
to witness God's power, to see him in all of his majesty, to see him in visions and dreams and signs and wonders and in the love that we all share with each other. I pray that we do become people who are pure at heart because I passionately desire to see God here working and moving. Amen. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It's working already. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the peacemaker? We are. Raise your hand. Oh, y'all didn't do this. Y'all got to take my leading. Let's read it. Blessed are the peacemakers, peacemakers for they, they are will be called children, children of God. God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Who's the peacemaker? We are. We are. Remember, God initiated peace while we were still sinners. He initiated it. We offered nothing. We had nothing to offer. He offered everything. Romans 4, 14, 19 says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify each other. We are to make peace. But as we become peacemakers, I was talking to somebody right before service, you got to go make peace. Not the other person, you. Go make peace. Why? Because when we start to make peace, what do we do? We position, let me have the uh, little flicker, the remote. We begin to be called, we begin to become the children of God. What does that mean? We position ourselves as a child of God. Parent, think about your role to your children. What position do your children have with you as parents? What is your responsibility as a parent? It's total. Your, your responsibility, of, of a, especially a young child, is total. You're responsible for their protection, for their provision, for their teaching, for their guidance, for their love, for their future, for their inheritance. Yeah. Your role as mom and dad is complete, total. When we become peacemakers, we position ourselves to come under the provider in total as a child would to a parent. Do you see this? Mm-hmm. Say yes. Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes. Tony, I get hung up and I'm like, okay, yeah, good. I'm glad you got it. Um, again, it, what is it? It is kingdom alignment. We are, when we literally put God first in our life, our decisions, our thoughts, what does he do? We go back to the first one. The kingdom of heaven crashes into earth. What happens? The father begins to father us. We, let me put it this way. We allow the Father to father us. Mm-hmm. He is such a good Father, He lets us go away. But when we return, He comes in full. But not only that, not only that, as a child of God, do you know what you receive as a child? The authority of the Father. Yeah. Have you ever been out on the playground playing and you, you know who my daddy is? My daddy will beat up your dad. <laughs> no, no, my daddy will beat up. No, no, my daddy will beat up your daddy. Who's your daddy? 
when you become a peacemaker, you position yourself as God, as your daddy. And with that comes the authority of God. When you become a peacemaker, do you know what comes to the table of peace? The authority of God. Man, do do y'all hear me? We clothe ourselves with the authority of God. When we pursue war, we remove our godly authority. And when we become a child of God, we are the rightful heir to God. We are co-heirs with Christ. Mm -hmm. Matthew 5.10 Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you are persecuted for righteousness, do you know what happens? You position yourself with Jesus. Scripture says it puts you in the same category as the prophets who were before you. And what is the reward? It is the kingdom of heaven. Justin put it as we've been discussing this week. It's two bookends. The kingdom of heaven on beatitude number one. The kingdom of heaven on beatitude number 10. uh, Or on verse 10, number 8. In fact, it's the kingdom of heaven on all of them. That's right. Heaven crashes into earth, comes and finds you and overtakes you. You can't outrun it. You can't miss it. When we come under the authority of God, when we walk out the the word of God, especially when we are persecuted for righteousness sake, you know what scripture tells us? It says when you are persecuted for Christ, the spirit of God comes and rests on you. What's another word for that? Filled. You're filled. You're not alone. How many of you have come through persecution? Let me tell you, when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake and we handle it with a rejoicing spirit, the Spirit of God comes and helps you and gets you through it and blesses you and protects you and provides for you and makes every step for you. Yes, He does not leave you to maybe wander a little bit. No, there's no wandering when you're being led by the Spirit. The wandering ends. Thank God sometimes we have a leader and we realize, oh, I need to go this way. There's my leader. I feel good. I need to go that way. It's when we don't know where to go that we struggle. Christ, the Holy Spirit, will lead us and guide us into all truth. Literally, when you are persecuted for Christ, you are blessed. And the kingdom of heaven crashes in on you. And the Spirit of the Lord rests on you. Now, as I close, we have a gift for you. Ushers, can y'all start to hand these things out? They may be at the end of the pews. I don't know what they've done. But we've got a gift for you. And it's just a simple um, refrigerator magnet. Um, can you put back up that first screen? Do we still have it? All this is for so that when you're getting up and when you're going out into your day and you're walking through your day and you're, you may have some struggles and you may have some challenges and you see this, all this is is just maybe for you to make a connection to say, okay, I need to change my direction. I need to apply Matthew chapter 5 to my life because God, your word says, if I will apply it to my life, you will be my everything. Now, I just ask you, just be blessed by that. Stick it on your refrigerator. Stick it wherever it will have impact on you. 
you know, it says in the Old Testament to, to, to strap it around your neck, to walk with it, going to and fro, talking to your kids around the table about the Word of God. You need to get talking. You need to get walking. Amen? Amen. Stand up with me, and I'm going to pray over you. Those that are ministering, I want to uh, ask you all to come on down. I'm literally just going to bless you and dismiss you. Um, but if you need prayer, the altar is open. Pastor Justin, I want you to come right down here and stand. I want everybody uh, to come and shake his hand and love on him. Greg and Joyce, if y'all mind to come down here too. Just let people welcome you into, into, the, into uh, our church leadership as pastors and as deacons. And I just encourage you, church, come down and shake their hands and love on them. Recognize the heavy calling and the responsibility that they are agreeing to, to walk in. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask right now that as we have started the Sermon on the Mount, that we would commit to your word, that, Lord, that we would begin to walk according to your word, that, Holy Spirit, we are a vessel that you can fill, and we ask you right now to fill us by your spirit. And, Lord, that, that the attacks that are coming on us, Lord, that we would begin to apply your word to those attacks, and that, Lord, that you are going to turn a bad thing into a good thing. I thank you, Lord, that that is your kingdom, that when we turn to you, Lord, you make the impossible possible. Thank you, Lord. Now, just be glorified in this place over Greg, over Justin, Lord, over what's gone transpired today. Lord, we have heard your word. We agree with your word. And, Lord, we want to commit to your word. Now, Lord, help us to walk this out by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Come down if you need prayer. Come down and shake some hands. Love on these people. We'll see you Wednesday night.